Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I confess, right? I'm only stressed out when I'm not trusting. If I trust Him, I can be at rest. But when I don't trust God, I'm not at rest. I'm stressed out. And so I know that whenever they're stressed, God's like, that's, you're not trusting. Can't be stressed out and trusting me at the same time. Here goes a verse. If you write this, write it down in your note. Isaiah 26, 3. It says, he will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him because he trusted him. Perfect peace, complete, mature peace. God said, I'll keep you in perfect peace. In today's message, Pastor Bill will share with you that when you choose to place your trust in the Lord, stress can become a less prevalent part of your life. Stress is a feeling that no one likes. We all want to find ways to reduce stress in our lives. Maybe you try working out, meditation, or something else, but those are only temporary fixes for stress. Stress can be reduced more permanently by placing what worries you into the hands of the one who is in control of the world and created you. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as he continues his message, A Resurrected Hope. Let God be true in every man of so he said it, we believe it, that settles it. That's that's how we move. That's how we get that's how we move our lives. And so we want to be able to be confident. Well, one way, uh, obviously the Holy Spirit makes us confident, but also um, we look at our lifestyle. You know, we can live in such a way that we we hinder ourselves. We we, leave, we cause ourselves to doubt. And so we want to be cautious about that. Again, verse six. So we're always confident. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mention this when he says that God gives us the guarantee. Um, you know, in verse five, he says he has, he, has, he has prepared for us this very thing. God was also given us the spirit as a guarantee. That word guarantee, it's um, it's a word that means a partial payment, um, you know, like a, like a down payment that God has given. And uh, in the modern Greek, it, it, the, the term means an engagement ring. You know, so someone gives an engagement ring. It's a it's a it's like a, the engagement ring says, hey, I, I'm, I have strong intentions. I'm, we, we, we doing this, you know. Um, God has said, look, you're, you're mine. Here, here's my down payment that you belong to me. And so if you can know that, man, I have the Holy Spirit living in me, then don't ever don't ever doubt. Write down when the Holy Spirit does things, write them down and let those be things that when you have a doubt, you go back. Now, I remember when the Holy Spirit convicted me about that. I remember when the Holy Spirit led me that way. I remember when he moved upon me to do this. I know that I do have the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and you might want to write those things down. I remember. At one point, I was encouraged by somebody that, you know, God only disciplines those that are his. And so and I had more than once come under the discipline of God as a Christian that I knew, you know, you know, you know, when God, you, you do something, you know, you're not supposed to do it. And then God does something and, you know, like, I know that happened because God, I'm sorry. You got me. I know. I know for a fact. I know that happened because I was doing that. And they, I was told so I was like, write that down because one way, you know, you're his. He don't spank their kids. He spanks his kids. You've been spanked. Take, you know, so if there's only if there's any upside to being disciplined by God, it's well, at least I know I'm his, you know, <laughs> praise God, because he don't spank. You know, I, I don't spank your kids, but I, I, if, I if need be, I spank mine. So um, and God, God spanks his kids. So um, now verse six is so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And so while we're in this body, we're not present with the Lord in the fullest way. Uh, we may, you know enter into his presence. We may spend time with him in his word, but it, it's a, um, we're not fully with him like we will be. You know, one of the things we look forward to in heaven is that we're going to be with him. Amen. 
Um, if you think what's the what's the what's going to be the most awesome thing about heaven? We're going to be with him. That's going to be the most awesome thing. We're going to be with the Lord. Uh, we're going to be with the one that died for us, with the one that loved us, with the one that sacrificed everything to forgive us and to save us, with the one that showed us such great mercy. We'll be with him and, and we'll worship him together. Um, it's going to be one of the great things of eternity. We're going to be with the Lord. And so right now we know that we're, we're absent from him in that sense. And then verse seven. And here's the context. We know this verse. You hear it all the time. But we walk by faith and not by sight. And you hear it in different settings. Well, hear it in this context. Right. So we walk by faith and not by sight. What's he what's he what's he getting at? Right. Do we see God? No, not right now. And so everything we do, how we walk with God right now is by faith. I don't see God. I don't see Jesus. I'm not walking with him flesh, you know, hand in hand. And so right now, though, I'm only able to walk with God by faith. It's not something I do. I don't do it by sight. If I needed to do it by sight, I wouldn't do it right. God said, now for right now, you walk by faith, and not by sight. You've never seen me, but you heard my words. I'm never, you know, never had, you know, flesh contact with the Lord. But God said, I've revealed myself through scripture. I'm, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit as a down payment. You know, um, there's a reality. You look forward to being with me in, 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 in my presence. That's going to be in heaven. But until then, you walk by faith and not by sight. And so... Here goes a challenging thing because there's nothing really dynamic about a walk, right? Walking is kind of a mundane, but it's how you make progress, spiritual progress. And God says, but I need you to do it by faith. I'm only going to be willing to walk so far if I got to walk by sight. Um, and I've been this, this last year. That was probably the those were some of the biggest challenges for me. God was calling me to trust him beyond what I could see in many areas. And so God would say, look, I've called you to do that. I don't see it yet. So now it'll be by faith. Right. Faith requires me to obey beyond what I can see, um, to trust beyond what I can see. There are things that I read in the Bible that doesn't make sense to me. But but God says by faith, don't do it by sight. Do it by faith. Um, you know, there's some things I read and I just don't understand how that would ever work. But I know that they work when I obey. I, and, and it's by faith, not by sight. Don't don't. You can't have a relationship with God where everything works out. Cookie cutter. You know, God, I'm my five year plan. I want to know this, this and this and this. I want everything dialed in first. Then I'll obey you. God's like, then you can't walk with me because God will tell you like he told Abram, go, go where, Lord, to a place that I will show you after you get going. <laughs> that's how God is. God's like, you know, that's, that's a hard. Is that, is that a difficult thing? Go. OK, to pick up my family, all my belongings, everything. Move from my country. Yes. OK, and, and just go. But where to, to a place that I will show you? That's that's saying, just trust me, get going. Trust me to go. Trust me as you go. Trust me along the way while you're going. Trust me. Don't don't look for you get you get direction a step at a time. Just right now, the direction is go. You get more next. Some believers are stuck where they're stuck at because they want another direction. They haven't taken step one. God said, go. And you're like, I'm waiting for all these other dots to line up. You know, it doesn't work like that. Don't work like that. If God said go, then you get going. Get getting. And he'll, he'll give you the next thing as you as you get going. But if I'm looking for step two and God's like, you haven't obeyed step one. I got nothing. To, we got nothing to talk about. I got no new direction. I, if you, you, you'd you be clear about step two as you were walking into step one. Um, and so, you know, if any of you guys got some incomplete steps, go back and look at the last thing he said that you haven't yet done and go do it. Take that step because um, because quite possible there's nothing else going to be spoken. Till you go back and obey because God wants us to do it by faith 
And I could tell you 20 stories in my just my life, my marriage with my kids, with ministry here, things that God just said, just do that. That doesn't work out. You know, um, we can't afford that right now. And God's OK. But I said, do it so I can afford it to so go. But I, I, I'd be more comfortable if it were in the bank, Lord, and then I could see that we had it and then we do it. I, I, I'd be more comfortable. But God, don't, he won't give me that. God's like, just go. Just do it. I, trust me. It's so stressful. I, but this is I confess. Right? I, I'm only stressed out when I'm not trusting. If I trust him, I could be at rest. But when I don't trust God, I'm, I'm not at rest. I'm stressed out. And so I know that whenever they're stressed, God's like, that's you're not trusting. Can't be stressed out and trusting me at the same time. Here goes a verse. If you write it, write it down in your note. Isaiah 26, 3. It says he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. Perfect peace, complete, mature peace. God said, I'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusted you because he trusted me. If you work that verse in reverse, if you don't trust in me, you you know, you won't have your eyes on me and you won't have perfect peace. And so if you got your eyes on situations, not the Lord, you're going to find that because my, my eyes are on the situation, they're not on the Lord. And as a result, I don't have perfect peace, but he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him because he trusted him. And so we want to live that reality, walk that out. Amen. And so that's the context of we walk by faith and not by sight. Verse eight says we are confident. Second time he says confident. Yes, well pleased. Rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And so the way we get present with the Lord is to be absent from the body. So we're well, we're, we're confident. Yes. Well, please rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Paul said that is what I'm looking forward to. But he said another place. But I, I find that it's more beneficial right now for me to be with you. Paul had a unique scenario. Paul had seen heaven. God had given Paul a, a vision. Paul saw into the third heaven. And so. None of us, we haven't seen that, right? I, I, you know, can I just tell you something? Paul saw into the third heaven, and do you know what he said, what he saw? He said, what I saw was so remarkable, it would be a crime for me to write it down. I can't even explain it to you, but it was amazing, right? So I'm always leery of people today that said, I, I saw heaven. God took me up and showed me heaven, and they writing books and selling them. <laughs> Paul saw it, and then Paul said, what I saw, I wouldn't even mess it up by trying to... Just y'all got to wait till y'all get it's amazing, though. But Paul said, when I saw it, he's about I'm longing to be there. But he said, but I, I, I see it's more needful for me to be here right now. There's a work to be done. And that's kind of the longing for the belief. We're looking forward to we have a great hope, you guys. But God says, but but there's something to do right now. And we want to fill our hands and our hearts with that which God has given us to do right now. Amen. We don't want to just exist and wait like we're just I'm saying so I'm waiting for heaven. There's something to do. There's something for everybody here to do. If you're a, you've been a Christian for years and you just, you know, you just attend churches. Can I can I can I beg you? Can I challenge you? You should be uncomfortable with that. That's not that's not it. This is like a football huddle. And when we gather, you know, you get a team come together in the huddle. They all get some information, some instruction and they break huddle. And then what do they go do? They go do something. They go, everybody's got their play. This guy's blocking. This guy's running. This guy's throwing. This guy, everybody's got something to do. And that's the, the church. Everybody, the church is a living organism. We're a living body, the body of Christ, made up of every single believer. Everybody here has something to do. Everybody. God's given, no, there's no special players. Everybody has a part. Different gifts, different callings, different things. And if everybody did their part, 
We'll we kick, we'll kick the enemy teeth in. We'll tear some stuff up in a good way. You know, we could get so much done. But a lot of times you got people that are just content to, you know, I've been saved 25 years and, you know, that's my seat. Don't sit in my seat. That's my chair right there. You know, and that's 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 this. Their attendance at church is that's it. And I'm just saying there's so much more. Um, and we, we're in the next couple months. Um, I'm, I've been praying about this and I'm going to put some things together for us to. You know, we're here, we've been praying about a place, finally got a place and getting things organized here. But it's been on my heart. I was praying through the new year that we need to mobilize. Like there are things that God would want us to go and do. And I, I keep getting all these opportunities to go do missions other places. And I'm God, I, I feel like God's like, man, do it where you are. Like, I know how to do missions. I've taken mission trips. I've gone other places where we go and reach out and evangelize and learn the culture. And God's like, do that right where you're at. Plan that right here. And so. In, in, in the near future, in the next month, that um, we'll have some things coming where we're going to give opportunities here. We're going to get out and, and, and be the church. This is instructing the church, but we got to go out there and be the church. And it's exciting. If you're bored in the Lord, it's because you ain't doing nothing. You want to you get shaken out of that, go evangelize. Just go stand out and just tell somebody about God. Shake up your faith. It'll rock you. Just to start having conversations, you know. I was at a wedding yesterday, and I kept looking at, you know, where what table to sit at. And I found a table where it was all these, these a bunch of young guys. And I had talked to them earlier, and I'm like, I just want to sit with them, you know. Um, and I, I had, we had juicy conversations. They had questions. We were talking about the Lord. And then I'm getting ready to leave, and they're like, man, we need, we need a ride to Whittier. And I started to say, nah, I, wanted to go. I was trying to get home. <laughs> I was 10 minutes from home, you know. I'm like, mm. and but. The Lord, as I'm right there, the Lord was like, you could, you could continue this conversation. You got this, this is another 25, 30 minutes of talking to them. And, um, and so we took that. You know, I took that. I became Uber last night. Uber, Uber for the Lord, you know. Um, but that was more exciting to me than, than anything else, you know. It could have just been a bum night, but that was exciting, you know. So, but anyway, we'll, we'll come back. But we need to be doing something, right? We, we need to be actively being the church. And so... Um, so again, we're confident rather be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Um, then verse nine says, therefore, we make it our aim, rather present or absent to be well pleasing to him. It's our aim. It's our goal. It's where we set our sight on. What's our aim? What's our goal? We want to be well pleasing to the Lord. Can we say that? Can we all say that my aim in this life is to be well pleasing to God? want God to look at my life and say, I'm pleased. That, that pleases me. How many of us have kids, right? Anybody here have kids? All right. When your kids do the things that bless your heart, then that, does it, what does that feel like to you? It, it, does it please you? When they do right, when you, when you get a good report? Because you know when you get a bad report, it don't please you. So we, we know that. But, but, but when, you're, when you get a good report, when you hear a positive thing, when you see in your kid like, man, I, God, that just well pleasing. We've been made in his image. And so God said, look, you're my kids. And it's what we, we our aim, our goal should be that God is because you see everything that I do anyway. And God, I want you to look at my life and I want it to be well pleasing. I want you to look at my life and say, man, that 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 kid right there blesses me. Do you know you could be that to the Lord? You'd be 70 years old. You could be that kid. You got that one right there. He, that, that kid right there blesses my heart, just obeys me, loves people does what I tell them to do, trust me beyond, you know, just something about that, just, just bless you, you know. 
Um, I know when my kids were smaller and, uh, you know, they get older and they, they realize that you ain't super dad. But I remember this blessed me one time. I forget which one of the girls it was, but they had balloons. We had went. You got cute little girls everywhere you go that people giving them stuff. And they got balloons. And we went outside and I forget which one of them let the balloon go. And it was going. And it went way up in the air. And then they were like, Daddy, get it. And I was like, I'm flattered, you know. You'd be really disappointed to know that I'm not able to get it, but I'm so flattered that they, they just let it go way up and they're like, Dad, get it. Like, like I got like, you think I can do that? It's amazing, you know. Please me that you trust me so much. Now, unlike me, you know, my kids can trust me beyond what I'm able, but when we trust God, we don't trust him beyond what he's able, right? There's nothing he's not able to do. But it pleases him when we like that just say, God, I trust you. Trust you with what you're doing. You know everything. You know what you're doing. And I trust you. And so moving on, it says in verse uh, 10 and last two verses and we're going to close. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And here when it talks about the judgment seat of Christ in the Greek, the word, the judgment seat is the word bima. This is the judgment for believers, right? Um, we're not dealing with sin at the judgment seat, the beam of seat of Christ. Um, this is a judgment for rewards. This would be like the, you know, th- this judgment here is God is, is God is looking at what we've done, um, you know, how we've served, how we've lived, the motive behind what we've done. Um, it, it's a judgment deciding rather or not, you know, we're being rewarded for certain things. So the great white throne judgment is for non-believers. That's where sin is going to be dealt with. Punishment is going to ensue afterwards. Believers don't go before the great white throne judgment. We go before the Bema seat. And so this is where God looks at everything that you've ever done. And so for those of us that are serving, those of us that are maybe serving God in unseen, uncelebrated capacities, right? It may be unseen and uncelebrated by men or by people, but God sees everything. God sees your prayer closet. God sees your private, the things that you're doing. God sees those that are people that are giving and no one else knows and and no one's saying thank you. And God sees everything that we do, everything. And so God says there's a point where there are going to be rewards meted out. And God rewards faithful service. God looks at our motives. Now, is it possible to do the right thing with a wrong motive? It is. It's possible to serve with the motive of being seen, with the motive of being celebrated. And so God says, you know, that that's going to be wood hand stuff. That's going to just burn up. There'll be no reward. You know, Jesus said, look, if you do your good deeds before men to be seen by them, that's your reward. You know, and that's why, you know, when it comes to giving, we don't march people down. What's a hundred dollar aisle? And people march down and get a hundred dollars and we all get to see who gave a hundred dollars. You know why? Because that would be your reward. God would God don't God don't honor that. God said, do it. Do it where nobody knows but me. I honor that. Um, if, if you got to pray, you know, I came out of uh, my first church, you know, the deacons would pray these. I, some of y'all know that there were these, these ridiculous prayers, long, elaborate words that was, you know, and, and when you would listen, you'd be like that, that he really could pray. You listen to him pray and they pass you the mic and it's like, I don't I can't pray. I don't want to pray. After, I can't, after that, I can't pray, you know. And as I grew and learned, I thought that that's not what God wants. God don't want us praying some. My prayer is my communication with God. There shouldn't be nothing fancy about that. I can't outpray somebody. You know, like 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 it's a competition that he could really pray. She's about she's all right, you know. She, he but him, boy man, he boy, he really can. He got some syllables and he rhymes and everything else. That's not 
That's not what he wants. God says, I, I want there to be in sincerity, a, a sincerity about what we do. And so he said, go in your closet when you pray. Shut the door. Your father who sees in secret wards you openly. And so, so many opportunities to do things. We want to do things. We're going to do them the right way. Because you can do things in a way that God would say, I'm not blessing that. I don't, I'm not rewarding that. You go into heaven. Man, you ain't getting nothing for that, you know. But we also can serve in a way that God would say, man, that, that right there, I, I'm going to bless that. I, that bless my heart. I'm going to reward that. And, and we want to be mindful. Every single day, you guys, every day you live, you have an opportunity to, to store treasure in heaven. You have an opportunity to serve in a way that's rewardable. And it's not a bad thing that we would be looking for reward. God told us to. He told us to, you know, serve in this way. Look for your reward in heaven. So it's nothing wrong with, you know, I'm going to do this so that I want, I'm looking for heaven. God said, you should. That, that would be wise because you, you do that by faith because you won't get the reward right now. Right now, it may be tough. What Paul went through was tough, but Paul knew his reward was coming. And for those of us that are walking by faith, we will know that our reward is also coming. Not here, but then. Amen. And so he says, we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, rather good or bad. God's going to judge our, our service, judge our works our motives and our works. And in verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but are well known to God. And I also trust that we are well known in your consciences. And so when he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Now for you and me, the terror of the Lord, we know that God is good, but God is also, there's also a terror, right? There, God is merciful and gracious and loving and kind, but when God meets out his wrath, it's 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 ridiculous. It's on another level. You read through your Bible and look at when God said, I'm pouring out wrath. It was never lightweight. Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm pouring out my wrath. He smoked the whole place. In Noah's day, he flooded the entire world. God said, there's a time my wrath is going to be poured out. But his wrath is not going to be poured out on believers. For everybody that's believed in Jesus Christ, his terror and his wrath was poured out on his son on our behalf. And so for us, we're thankful, but we still know the terror of the Lord. And so we persuade men. Right. I'm looking at when I'm looking at nonbelievers, I realize that you don't understand. Like when I was lost, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what was I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know that there was that to pay. I didn't know. I really didn't know. I was really ignorant. I joked about hell. I would say I would tell people if I die, I want to go to hell. That's where all the freaks would be. That's where all the people would. That's I, in my mind. I would envision hell with you know pretty you know girls and alcohol and a great. That's that was my vision as a non-believer. That's what I thought. If there was a hell, that was where I would want to go. I didn't want to go be up there with y'all. You know, singing kumbaya. I didn't understand. But as my as my eyes were open, I realized, man, hell is outer darkness, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever. You're not going to talk your way out and charm your way out. This, this is a rap. That, that, hell is how I got saved. For you guys that don't know, the guy led me to the Lord. When I understood hell, a right understanding, a biblical understanding, it scared the hell out of me. It really did. I was thankful for him sharing that with me because that was what, that was what brought me to a point where I said, I need to get right. I'm, I'm afraid of that. And I've never been the same. You know, never been the same. And so he said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And so I'm out. I'm saved. But as I'm looking at friends and family and other people, God said, you knowing what they don't know, persuade them, share with them, evangelize. Them. And we'll come to that next week. We'll talk a lot more about that. But as we wrap this up today, suffice it to say, guys, we're living right now. Hopefully we gather from this message that we're living for eternity. 
And if we're, got, we're having a rough time right now, that we have a resurrected hope, our, our hope is yet to come. Like we're looking forward to a life that is to come. We'll be with the Lord. Uh, we'll be rewarded by the Lord. We'll be in the presence of the Lord. Everything that the greatest things for the believer, they're yet to come. And so we want to live now. We want to walk by faith right now and not by sight. But we want to have a great hope in our hearts that, that, that we have so much coming for us. Amen. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he had lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there. So Paul felt led to write another letter to these people, expressing some personal things that he learned on his journey and in his ministry. It would seem that some in the Corinthian church criticized Paul's leadership, and so he found it necessary to defend himself to this church. Communicating this type of message is something that's beneficial at times when you feel misunderstood or misrepresented. Any one of us can face those situations at times too, and so discussing it with the other party is useful. We're so glad you tuned into A Transforming Word, and we'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You can always call or text us, too, for more information, 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time for another edition of A Transforming Word.